The emergence of broad state consumer privacy legislation has been one of the dominant stories in privacy law since at least June 2018, when California lawmakers passed the California Consumer Privacy Act in response to Alistair McTaggart's ballot measure. State lawmakers have jumped into the void created by the absence of federal privacy legislation and tackled this complicated issue. In 2021 alone, lawmakers in 27 states proposed CCPA-like privacy legislation with Colorado and Virginia passing bills. Given the importance of these issues, we launched a podcast series interviewing prominent state lawmakers who have authored these bills. Welcome to another episode of Data Privacy Unlocked. In this episode, we talk with Colorado Senator Robert Rodriguez, the primary author of the Colorado Privacy Act. We had such a great conversation with Senator Rodriguez that we have decided to split it into two episodes. You are listening to the second episode here. To listen to the first episode, please check our blog at www.bitebacklaw.com. That is www.bytebacklaw.com. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy this episode. Let me ask you, we were talking before we, uh, we started recording about the prior right of action. And as I understand, you're, you're a proponent of the prior right of action, but realized you wouldn't have a bill pass if you included that. Is that fair? Yeah, um, we were going to introduce it with a, with a no, I'll never. I am a big consumer protection advocate, um, whether I've we've I've watched us. I've run bills to try to bring back class action lawsuit corrections in in from from in the legislature. Um, I watched us try to do forced arbitration bills. Um, those are hard lifts to get through just my Democratic caucus because um, we're not all in agreement on that. It's just a, a nuanced conversation in Colorado. And and any type of bill, when you have a thin margin in the Senate, when it takes one or two people to, you know, as we're watching right now in the federal government, how two people can steer a whole policy conversation. Um, that's the same kind of thing you have in the legislature. It's a mini version of it. And for me, it was about doing the best consumer protections and taking out the ability of one or two people to control it was to do it bipartisanly, which I found very strong advocates, but I also found they are not open to private right of actions. So it was a concession I personally had to make on the bill to get it done. But, you know, uh, it was, do I just hold to my wills and maybe make this a five, six year fight, which I could be, I could be out of the Senate by the time this got done or get something on the books now to build from. Yeah, it's, it's a great insight, right? The sense of, of building from, right? Laying a foundation. This is not done, right? The expectation is on the state level, you come back and tweak year after year. Yeah, I didn't, nobody was talking about dark patterns when this bill got introduced. It became a conversation later in the bill. Um, we were more, we were, we probably weren't as strong on that, but knowing we had rulemaking authority, we knew that this stuff, this is always changing. Um, I'm also looking in the future at AI, which is a new evolving technology. Biometrics is a fight we had last year, but it, it those are all big fights. AI is new evolving and we need to start addressing it before we're in the position we are now where people are so entrenched with the ease of <laughs> of all the information you give up that we need to get ahead of the curve versus wait till it's too late. Because it in technicality for data privacy in the United States, we probably are too late. There's so much ingrained in what we have and, and stuff. And I'm not against innovation. I'm not against 
them taking my data as long I I want them to use my if I want to use my GPS I have to let them know where I'm at it's a it's a symbiotic relationship I think to do stuff and things that we think people should have the right to know they should just have to ask and it's interesting like whether it was the Apple's do not track app that I think has averaged maybe four or six percent of people have allowed it to app it makes me understand why the tech industry doesn't like these switches or the asking permission because most people are going to probably err on the side of I don't need it. At some point they may say I can't log on to I have all my safety settings on my phone off. I can't log on to my Amazon account unless I go open my cookies. Didn't used to be that way, but that's some of the new technology they're moving ahead of with tracking and and I just think it you know, we have the right to know what they're collecting on us and what they're doing with it and you know, there's larger conversations of whose data is it? You know, there was a amendment offered to ask for more because we have the trans uh, the transferability and the ability to pull your reports. Well, they wanted to be able to pull them at it. I think we capped it at two times a year free of charge. There was a push to have it be bought and sold by other people who pay you for your, to, for your data, for your tracking devices. Um, similar to Ibotta and some of them, they want to be able to monetize it and maybe people want to sell it and make some money off of it that gets into a whole other issue and and some ethics conversations that we need to have i'm not opposed to it in per se but you know it's it's an interesting conversation because some people would like hey if i can make a couple bucks letting people track me it, do we have that conversation you know and those are starting to pop up as we go forward too which i'm sure the tech industry isn't crazy about either but yeah, well, you mentioned, and we we're talking about tracking, and, and be remiss if I don't bring up the subject of the global privacy control and, uh, you know, Colorado requiring uh, recognition of, use, uh, you know, global opt-outs, essentially. Mm -hmm. uh, how significant was that? Uh, Where did that come from? I mean, uh, you know, really, I you, know, you read that, and it's really something where Colorado is, I feel like it's, it's optional in the CPRA, but, but it's going to be required in well, it's, we talked about it before. It's optional in the CPRA, but it's required in California by the AG's office. But it's just going to be straight up required in Colorado. Right. Um, I everything. I mean, if anybody and many of you do, <laughs> I sit here and I, I I go to a website and I see their their cookie statement at the bottom, <laughs> which I'm always interesting to notice that you can accept all. But you have to go deeper to reject. They never have a reject all, <laughs> which could get us into dark patterns and all that. But they could just say accept all, reject all, or customize. But it's always accept all or not. But that's a lot. And as somebody probably as geeky as me who goes in and reads those things and knows what they are, to expect the common citizen to know that stuff and, and deal with it is just not realistic. I think having a one-stop shop and it, it might need to be customized more and the development of it could change because there's so many different things they use to track um, and different ways they do it, either, whether it's for advertising or, or other stuff. I think it's important to give the consumer a one-stop shop for that option too. We're, we can't expect everybody to understand everybody's nuanced different tracking controls. And, and I tell most people don't even realize that those are because of California, because we're seeing them out here in Colorado all the time too. But I don't, I couldn't even tell you, I'm imagining they don't even apply to us. Even if I say yes, if I reject them all, they're probably still 
collecting them because it doesn't apply to me because I'm not a California resident. So I think the most use, the simplicity for the end consumer is the best proactive way, other than a private right of action. This gives them some control and not having to spend their time clicking and checking multiple boxes. So let me ask you to pivot a little bit because um, we talked about the attorney general's office a couple of times. A big demarcation point in my mind was a committee hearing in which the attorney general's office showed up in support of the bill. And, you know, in my mind, I draw as a comparison to Washington. You mentioned uh, Washington Privacy Act before where the attorney general's office would always show up and be against the Washington Privacy Act. But here you had an attorney general's office that was that was supporting the bill, not only you know, behind the scenes, but also testifying publicly in support of the bill. Um, what what role did the AG's office, you know, getting behind the bill uh, play, if any, in, in get, helping get this across the finish line? Um, for me, a lot of it, because I was still behind the scenes while it was going through the House, too, because I had done so much negotiation in the Senate over the year of the bill. Um, for me, it was resources. Um, they reviewed the requests. There was a lot of requests coming in from everybody. Everybody was trying to chime in to get their specific carve out and trying to streamline where we thought it was good, where we thought it was bad. And they and it, it was great because, like I said before, um, while there's many people on the side of this, there's not a lot of people on the side in the legislative process. It's, you know, the biggest lobbyist for the consumer is the legislators. And the a few consumer groups that don't have the bandwidth. I think I looked in Tracer. There was about 200 lobbyists and organizations that were on monitor or amend this bill. Um, that's a lot of people that two or three people to have to negotiate with. So, and as I was looking at their request, it was me, my other sponsor. And, you know, my wife would explain to me if I had questions and we didn't have a ton of resources. So it's, it was once the AG's office came in, I had a team of people. And when, as requests came in, I could talk to the AG's office and their consumer protection people would say, we can agree to this. This makes sense. Or this is an absolutely heck no. And we would say no to it. Um, it was a good collaboration. It made the bill a lot faster. Um, I think it also helps the Senate. We worked really hard. So it got out unanimously because we had been working in good faith. But there was always a point when, as you're working through a bill, that you're going to agree to for some of the recommendations. But at some point, as the bill gets more tightly close to the end, whether for us it was the definition of sale, for me who's a sale, and the privacy control, we're going to, you know, we could talk about at some point we start saying no, we're not making that change. We want this in the bill, and having the AG support helped that argument as well because they're the ones that have to enforce it and they're the ones that want to make sure nothing sneaks through. So the AG was huge, I think, for us in the House because once it gets through one chamber, it has momentum, but they can just go pull a couple people out of committee and pick them off and then start throwing amendments on that they want and having the AG behind you is is, is a lot of power. So it, it, they, you know, they know this stuff inside and out. They know the legalese and I'm not, I, I only play a lawyer at the Capitol, David. I'm not a lawyer in real life. <laughs> um, and having those resources of, you know, like I said, with the GLBA and the all anybody enter it, I, the nuance of a word is a big thing amongst you guys as, as, as you know. So trying to uh, navigate that and having the AG was a big help pushing it over the finish line. 
Yeah, and you, you told me this great story before we started about um, how I, th I think it was you or your wife was watching an IAPP webinar where Wiser was on with Carlisle, and you said, "Oh, we're going to hear from him soon," or something like that. So I was I was in the legislature. Um, like I said, my wife does privacy stuff, and she she's published in in the IAPP, and she follows all this stuff. She uh, says, I just watched a webinar with Ruben Carlisle and a couple other people and Phil Weiser, and they were talking about the dark patterns and all the other stuff. And I think somebody asked him about your bill, and he's like, we are working with the sponsors. So she called me and said, I think you'll be hearing from the AG pretty soon. So, And he did reach out, and he's always been a proponent. He knew this was coming. It's just bandwidth and me being sick and, you know – Maybe it was some of the things he saw coming with amendments that he didn't like or wanted concerns with. But, you know, it's sometimes timing's a good send or bad send. I can't say him coming in sooner might have made it. Everybody's like, how did you get the bill done? I couldn't pin down one single thing. There's a lot of luck involved and commitment to working through it. So, you know. Yeah, it's, it definitely seems in my journeys in this one that the lawmakers like yourself who have, have taken a practical uh, approach and been willing to listen to all different stakeholders, but make make the you know make tough decisions. Uh, nonetheless, those are the ones that are getting the furthest in this, as opposed to people who are are you know unwilling to modify their approaches. An interesting story on that. So you know the bill had went through and it got introduced, and we had been meeting with stakeholders and you know Virginia, do Virginia, 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 and we're like, no, no, we're Colorado, we're not Virginia, we're not California, we're Colorado. We'll we'll pick and choose what's best for our state. But the interesting, we had a conversation, me and my co-sponsor, with the retail council, and they're like, Senator, we really would like you to look at this. It's in the Virginia bill, and it was the the processor controller language. <laughs> um, and we were like sitting there, like, why is this barely coming up now? And they're like, honestly, Senator. You're mostly talking to, to processors, not the controllers and the retail, the people that are the front end of this. And, you know, there's a lot of nuanced things. So, you know, that wasn't even a conversation, which is why we, I think we added it on the, in the Senate committee because it had, it had never come up in all of our conversation. It wasn't in the introduced bill because nobody had brought it up because most of our stuff was with the processing side versus the front end people that are the controllers of the data. So that was a nuanced thing that me and the Senator Senator looked at, which we ended up taking Washington's wording <laughs> just because we're like, well, we had been doing Washington, why not? We, they had been stakeholded in both states. So we took Washington wording, which there's nuanced conversations going on that now versus Virginia's, depending if you talk to processors or retailers, the retailers are probably happier with our wording than Virginia's wording, but you know, ebb and flow of all bills, there's there's going to be some people that it's going to be stronger for or less stronger for, you know, we're going to be stronger for the, the providers with the global control, the ones who have browsers and, and our end users from software. And, but at the end of the day, I think they're looking out for their customers best interest as well. So, you know, it, it's, it's a weird symbiotic non-symbiotic relationship when you get into the nuances, because everybody has, their, everybody has data that all the players in this. So, where they lie on it is different. And I always looked at it in a non-technical view. It's like, look, if I walk into your store, you have a right to know what I'm looking at. You have a right to follow me around. It is your store. It's should you follow me out of my your store and see what I'm doing at the next store? <laughs> it's always been a nuanced conversation that people don't know that that's what these bills are trying to fix. So let me ask you, you had, you had said, you know, we're not California, we're not Virginia, we're Colorado. 
was it important for you that Colorado took the leadership role in this area? It was, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, the year before there had been fewer states doing it. This year had been a bigger thing, as as you guys all know. This, and if you go to the state following website, that you can follow them all. <laughs> um, I've had many conversations that the private right of action and a opt in is almost a measuring stick of what is going to pass and not pass. I'm not convinced that's true because as we see more things in the news with what happened with Snapchat, with Facebook and them, with the algorithms that they did before and after the election, you know, people are starting to see that and care more. I honestly think, and I've told other legislators that I've talked to in other states, you know, if you really, it, it, the California model was what got some of the strongest protections out there was data privacy probably polls positively at like 80% in most places. So if you put it on the ballot, you can almost write your own ticket for us. If somebody puts a private right of action on a data privacy bill on a ballot, you're probably going to see a private right of action passed. <laughs> um, that's why I try to work through them. And it was a route I would have looked to go if we went to move forward with the bill. But yeah, I think I don't know. I'm proud of Colorado. We are a tech tech state. We grow every more day on that. But I'm glad we are a leader. We have a strong AG who believes in this. We have a bipartisan group of people who do. Are we maybe too pragmatic sometimes? Like I said, I think a private right of action personally would be the strongest enforcement, but I would I rather have something rather than nothing? No. I, you know, people now have access to what, see what's collected on them, delete it, change it, opt out of it. That's That's a win. You know, this stuff could change over time as more people start seeing things happening. Whether you look in looking at biometric bills that have private right of actions in other states, there's nuanced conversations when that's important and not. And I would love to have it, but like I said, I don't know if me alone could have got this bill over the finish line. It, it took a village. Let me ask you, I mean, now you mentioned in the answer to that question about talking with other state lawmakers, um, you're now, you know, the privacy equivalent of a rock star. Right, you've gotten privacy bill passed in your state. Um, I imagine, and there's, but there is, you know, I've, I've, I've talked with a lot of them on the podcast, right? There's a lot of people who are lawmakers uh, who are trying to do what you've done. Um, do you talk to them? I mean, is there like a community of like, you know, people who are pushing this legislation, who are, who are leaning on one another to see, you know, what's worked in your state or how did you address this issue or that issue? I've had one reach out since it passed um, from Wyoming that I haven't got back to him yet because I had been traveling the last two, three weeks that's looking at it, that's reaching out to me to talk about. Um, I spoke with the senator from Connecticut right as our bill was finishing, and he was kind of like, you know, what did you do? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't have all the answers, and I, you know, and I don't know, and I talking with him and th they re-brought back the bill during their budget machine thing as it's going on, and not knowing how every state's nuanced difference, I can't tell every legislator how to pass a bill out of their chamber because they all have different processes. Um, I had never seen two bills go through two chambers and meet and merge. I, that's just, it's one bill and we go through. So not knowing how they navigate it, you know, they reached out and asked what we did and what we did. And it was mostly, usually it was a lot of cheerleading, just saying, you know, your work's important. You know, I, I, we got lucky. We had also been working on this for two years, not like it had just popped up on us this year. Um, 
look for bipartisan sponsorship because you know it, when you have it, a couple people can kill it. And sometimes when you have, if you're in the majority or a minority, if you have a couple people in your caucus, then if you have the other side of the table, then that cancels out those people. So it's you know it's a numbers game. You need the votes. How do you do it? Every bill's a campaign, and I think a lot of it is. I think we had uh, NCSL summit a few weeks ago with a lot of states that have run the bill come down and talk and tell their stories and have higher conversations about it. And most people in this world, as they start digging into it, it, it is a geeky world. <laughs> um, it is nice. I could talk about this to people outside of it and they're just, their eyes gloss over. Um, it is kind of geeky to follow and be a part of it. I'm excited um, to be a change for new policy. You know, a lot of us, don't always try to recreate the wheel. We look at other states of how they've done it and try to and try to do it in your state. And being at the head of something that's new for people is exciting. Is it going to be perfect? No. Is it going to change? Is it, are, are people going to find ways around it? Yes. That's just how evolution is. Technology changes faster than we can legislate it. So it, it, this could be outdated stuff in two years by the time we kick it in and have to tweak more. And as more technology comes forward, which I'm all about, but... It's just what rights do they have to access, you know, it's the old saying, it's like, if you're not the consumer, you're the product. And if we're the product, I feel we should have more rights about it. But I, I'm super proud of my, of my state and my AG and my cohorts and the people that did this bill, because it's not what everybody wanted. Like I said, I would prefer a private right of action and, and opt in. I think that's the best bill. But I also don't know if it's too late for opt-in because this country is so ingrained with the processes they have now. If you made people sit there all day and click boxes as they're going through web pages, I think they'd be frustrated with that. Yeah, I've asked this question of everybody I've talked to um, who's in your position. Do, do you think the end game here is federal privacy legislation? Is that the goal? Um, do you see that as a realistic hope? Um, and, and how did you view yourself kind of fitting into that discussion? I, I do. Um, I've ran uh, drug importation bills from Canada. We have healthcare fights on changing our policies every year in Colorado. There isn't a bill you generally don't run, and, and we're in a global and national economy. There isn't a bill you run that they, people don't say this needs to be done federally, but the feds don't take on something unless they see the changes coming ahead of them. So as more states look at this and start passing it, I even think the people that don't like these bills or want to push back on them are going to push more on the federal government to do it. Now, if the federal government did it up front, would it be a weaker bill than what we're doing statewide because we're we can do smaller tweaks where they have to take in the ramifications of the whole country. It's hard for them to tell me my bill is going to change the economy and everything for all tech companies when California, the fifth largest economy in the world, has these laws as well. But I don't disagree that we need federal legislation and I hope it's the responsibility hopefully of the legislators who pass these bills to try to make these bills stronger for the consumer that will push the federal government to look at good protections because there's there isn't the power behind the consumer protection side as much as there should be um and that's unfortunate i i think they're out there but 
you know, it's it's a it's a very pressure. You get in a bubble there of of changes and how much it's going to change them. And I think everybody's trying to do the the right thing. It's just you know, there's how much money it's going to cost them to make the changes or how much money they're going to lose or the ease of it. And, you know, maybe so, but maybe they shouldn't have had those. Maybe they shouldn't have been doing that in the first place. And that's what caused this. So I, yeah, federal regulation absolutely needs to happen. It's just, I hope they take the pushes that the states are doing and, and, and do it, do good policy. And then you get into the preemption discussions. So yeah, and, and you know, in, in other settings, I've made the argument that maybe the state's doing this first. It's exactly the way our government's supposed to work, right? Um, and then rolling it up to something in the federal. But it, it's a, to be determined. We, we shall see. And I think, and uh, you know, I this bill came out last year, and we killed it because of COVID. The federal government's still dealing with cover COVID and the recovery. I'm sure it's important, but it's not the top thing doing it. I, there's still bills being looked at. There's still being bills introduced, but until there's a big pressure, you know, I think federally they try to take care of what's pressing at the time and it's, and they're there year round. So, you know, there's tons of privacy bills that get introduced. It's just the push to get them done. So the last question I was going to ask you has to deal with um, uh, Governor Polis' signing statement. So to, to set the, Set the stage. Um, when the bill gets signed by Governor Polis, he issues a signing statement saying, hey, you know, there's there's still tweaks that need to be made uh, to this bill. Uh, you know, in, in next legislative session, there'll be some some, you know, I guess, proposed amendments. It's the nature of my question is, you know, what what areas of the bill do you think are uh, we going to see proposed amendments on next year when you guys start up, I guess, in a few months now? I think the governor's office probably wasn't involved in the stakeholdering as much as that bill was done because many of the stakeholders and the sponsors and the people that have worked on the bill have been working on it for two years, like I said. Um, I think there was some surprise to that. And, they, and the governor's office what didn't get involved until it got to the second chamber when they started um, looking at, at tweaks and that they didn't know government was covered in there. I, maybe my fault for not flagging that for them that we ended up excluding. But with the tweaks we did to it with the rulemaking out of the AG's office, and I've had this conversation with the AG office and the other sponsors, we really can't figure out <coughs> precisely what any changes need to be done legislatively at this point. With a robust rulemaking and the AG starting, they were going to have some meetings. They were going to do a robust stakeholder meeting. But then they just pushed it back because they're hiring on some new staff for data privacy in the AG's office. So they want to get that person up to speed. I until they come to me and say, we think legislative, we need we need a fix, I think we're gonna depend on what the AG's rulemaking is gonna be. And I trust AG Weiser's is a very responsible AG. I, I trust him to do a robust stakeholder. Look, they wanted to push more policy into this bill as well. And we had to tell them, no, it's like, we don't have the time. This is not negotiating. We can, that's, that was the conversation. They wanted things that we weren't willing to put in just like the tech industry or anybody else wanted. And we were like, that's why we're like, maybe we'll work on it next year, but meeting with their office and the other stakeholders, unless somebody can come back and tell us specifically what the AG can't do with rulemaking, 
I don't know we need a new bill. Um, there's other privacy bills coming that will not be this broad. It'll, like I said, I'm looking at AI and biometrics. Maybe there could be some tweaks there, but I don't believe that at this point we've figured out that a new bill needs to be introduced. So that can be figured out. Yeah, it's it's that's that's great insight there. Obviously, um, well, Senator, I've I've taken so much of your time, uh, but it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation to have with you here today, and to to learn just a little bit of what happened behind the scenes of of the Colorado Privacy Act. So I'd like to, to to extend my my gratitude to you for for jumping on here, and and once again congratulate you on on getting this bill passed. Yes, thank thanks, David. And as somebody who's got to listen to a few of your podcasts, thanks for what you do. It gives something for some of us that actually <laughs> like to delve into this policy, something to listen to the nuanced conversations. I learned a lot listening to your interviews with other states that in, that uh, opened my eyes up. And I think uh, hopefully with this and other legislators that opportunities that we get to collaborate more with other states, obviously, to make it better for the tech industry, but also bounce off ideas like AI is a new evolving legislation thing. They don't have hardly, I think China's the first one to even do anything on it. That's recent, you know, those are big lifts because everybody wants to do the wait and see versus which I think the wait and see is why we couldn't do as much with data privacy. Now we need to get ahead of these before they're too ingrained and the ramifications hit us. But I think what you're doing helps connect some of us and the other meetings I've had there will definitely be more reach out to other legislators across the country as I meet them to kind of collaborate on this. And, you know, happy to tell my any legislators is like, here's what I wish more I'd have did. Here's mistakes I made. Obviously, every state is different with what their economies and how their states are built, what what's reasonable and not for them. Um, but it's it's I learned a lot in this process and I wish I would have did more reaching out than I probably will do going forward because, yeah, I, it, was a, it, was a, it was a long learning curve and a lot of people taking this on are learning fast. And as you know, who does this for a living, we're still scraping the surface of, of all this stuff, how in depth it gets. So I really appreciate the stuff you're doing too. Well, well, thank you for that. It's um, it, it, I take it to heart from some from somebody who is, like I said, a, a rock star in this area. Uh, that, that means that means a ton to us. So. Well, thank you again for your time. I'm going to cut you loose. We, this has been a fascinating conversation, but hopefully maybe we can circle up again down the road and maybe talk about those other bills that you're running as well. Sure. I appreciate it. Yes, I've, I'm waiting for my world tour to, to start up, I guess. <laughs> Just got to be in the right now. Right, it's, the right still, it's still about Ruben Carlisle. That man, I, <laughs> he, 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 I, I'm, I'm, he's going to do it this next year. I, I have faith in him. Washington has broken my heart three years in a row. I, I can imagine. I every year my bill was running, and every year I was like, "Oh my god!" And they're like, yeah, and then they call me. It's like, "What killed it?" Private right of action. <laughs> <laughs> so interesting. Well, thanks again, and um, we, we really appreciate what you what you've been able to accomplish, and, and appreciate you jumping on today. Yeah, thank you, David.